Hello everyone, and welcome to Penny Tolerable, where large adults talk about stuff. I am Jeremy Ellis, and this is... Who am you? I am not a raccoon, and these hands don't skin! You couldn't even let me have just one by myself. You couldn't let me steal from a better podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's uh, me, uh... Nathaniel Raccoon. Rocket Nathaniel. Yeah, that's better. Call me Rocket from now on, okay? Okay. Call me call me T Bone, okay? Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, what are we doing? By the way, I like how the uh, tagline for the show just gets like shorter and shorter. Yeah. Which I think is beneficial, but it's just nonsensical at this point. <laughs> I mean that's what we do, we just talk about stuff. <laughs> I I say you this have the better tagline. Well, no, but it, like it's my point is that it's such a bad tagline. Maybe we should just not have one at this stage. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's it's your show. You can do whatever you want with it. But I like how it it was based on. Well, I mean, what's the old joke? Like the large adult sons, like mm-hmm. the, the tweet from a million years ago that deservedly <laughs> became like part of scripture. Yeah. Uh, but at this point, it's just large adults who talk about stuff. <laughs> it really nails, like, you cannot go anywhere else for this <laughs> style of commentary. If, yeah, if you wanted to hear somebody who was alive for the first Ghostbusters complain about the new Ghostbusters, <laughs> your grail quest is over. All right. All but right. if you want one of those people to be trans, you're going to find a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of that to go around, too. Uh, all right, uh, speaking of, damn, even I can't do it. I was going to do speaking of trans and then try and bring it around on the movie, but, like, I can't actually think of anything. <laughs> um, oh, uh, speaking of trans, there's one guy who probably isn't a huge fan of the trans community. I'm speaking, of course, of Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> Is that unfair? <laughs> I, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> My reaction to, like, because people say, like, oh, because he's a Christian, like, is he a conservative? I'm like, I don't, I don't he's not like a, you know, like a Kevin Sorbo type or anything. Yeah. Uh, my response to any information with Chris Pratt is just Kirk's boss of the Cracker Factory. <laughs> maybe he's an ally and maybe he's not. I don't know. And frankly, I don't want to know. It's a market I can do about <laughs> We're off to a great start. I've now done a kill shot on uh, the most successful actor in Hollywood after this past weekend. (laughs) And our own show. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Coming in hot. Uh, I'll pump the brakes a little bit. What are we talking about this week? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. (laughs) I reiterated meaninglessly. Uh, Yeah. This is our... First Marvel movie in a while, right? Yeah, yeah, long, long. I mean, first one talking, first one we've talked about on the show in a minute, but uh, just first one seeing in quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, is that worth addressing up front? Uh, I think it is because anyone who is, you don't even have to see the movies, you just see the reaction from fans and viewers and stuff like that. Uh, Marvel movies have kind of been eating shit recently. A little bit, a little bit. And uh, with 
without getting too far ahead of ourselves, we can certainly talk about the content of the movie, which is what really matters. But uh, looking at the box office, it's exactly what you think it would be. Mm-hmm. A very strong opening. Uh, not notably stronger than Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Yeah. <laughs> and every single Marvel movies, even the, the ones that did pretty all right, like that second Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. It, it's pretty much just a mathematical certainty that they will drop 70% in the second weekend. Like, I, I looked it up. That's the, every single one is like 68.9%. Yeah. <laughs> 70%. Uh, no particular reason to think that this would be any different. So, uh, this already looks like it's shaping up to be another one of those movies that makes close to a billion dollars and still has Marvel going... Uh, we need uh that's not quite keeping the the coffers full. <laughs> like the money printing machine is printing steadily smaller denominations lately. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. Well, that, that's neither here nor there, but just noting like it opened uh smaller than the second one, which is it, Marvel same with everything else in Hollywood goes by like the relentless growth. Yeah. Right? It always has to be bigger or else it's, I mean, it's a cliche, but that's where the term comes from, the law of diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're not at Marvel Annihilation stage yet. Was that the name of a stupid... Oh, wait, no. I won't call it that because that's a terrible crossover. I can't <laughs> call it Endgame either, though. Every stupid thing I could call it has already been taken. Yeah. Okay. We're not uh, at uh, the fall of the mutants? No, shit. That doesn't work. <laughs> Uh, well, it's not the Age of Apocalypse for Marvel just yet, but uh, not great. <laughs> if, it, if this were comic book terms, it's like 1996 for Marvel. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Not bad. It's not 1992 either. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, but as far as actually seeing the movies, um, because I did go see this. For reasons we'll get into. I feel like I have to justify the fact that I even watched this thing. Uh, but I talked to a few of my friends uh, and just asked them, unironically, I said, what was the moment when you realized you were tired of Marvel? That's not even like the last one you ever watched, but just what was the moment where you went, eh, uh, that's too too much cake. Mm-hmm. Like the guy in Godfather 2, like, in a smaller slice. Like, that's too much right now. Um, and I got different reactions, uh, but it, it was just universally taken for granted. Like we are sick of Marvel. Yeah. Like I, I didn't have anybody go like, Oh, I still love it. Mm-hmm. Just, just as entertaining as the day they were born. <laughs> um, and I got different answers and I realized mine was fittingly, it was pretty much right after guardians too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I saw that liked it perfectly well. Then I think that was in spring. The the one that fall was Ragnarok, mm-hmm. which I didn't hate, but like I didn't like as much as everybody else did. Mm-hmm. And I think in between they did the first of the new Spideys with like the ten year old. Yeah. And I didn't see that, and I still haven't. And I think that was the one where I was like, I don't, I don't want this. Like, I, I didn't, like, watch all of them religiously already, but that in particular was, like, I can skip that. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember, again, not being pissy, not being funny, but uh, somebody was, like, trying to do, like, a night at the movies that uh, that summer. 
And uh, they were like, well, what should we go see? And he was like really insistent. Like, I want to see the new Spidey. I, I remember telling him like, there's so much else that's out there. Like, I think Baby Driver is playing. <laughs> Maybe not like a four-star movie, but I'd much rather see that, right? Um, and then the last one I ever saw in a theater was uh, Infinity War. Uh, I saw Endgame. Period. We don't need to get into how I saw that, <laughs> but I, I did see Endgame, and uh, that's been it. Uh, we've we've like talked about them, and I kind of know what happens in them, but haven't seen a Spidey, haven't seen Love and Thunder, Shang Chi, uh, the new Wakanda, the or the last one either. Uh, you name it. This is my first time paying for one of these in uh, five years. Doesn't seem like that long. No. Okay. And uh, what about yourself, Miguel? I have been watching all of these <laughs> and uh, in various means. Um, but I don't need to worry about that. Let's just... Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they, it, they have diminished greatly. Like, even if... Even for a person... Who wouldn't like them? You can still tell, like, oh, these, these went downhill. Yeah, because every now and again, the only way I see them is when somebody will like post a clip mm-hmm. online, like a fight scene from Wakanda, and go, "This cost three hundred million dollars." Like, it looks like a, a cut scene. Yeah, or like, <laughs> you know, the one that was going around for a while. Uh, Corey Stoll was Modok. Mm-hmm. Like this, this wasn't a movie. Yeah. Like, careers were lost because somebody went, keep it. (laughs) That's going in the movie. (laughs) Uh, That was in a movie made by a production company (laughs) run by a studio. (laughs) That is part of the, you know, it's the same way, like, the the Bond franchise has been going so long you have to address, like, you know, uh, like James Bonding. They, they debate over, like, which is the greatest moment of all time in James Bond. When Yafet Koto gets inflated like a balloon, or when a pigeon does a double take when it sees Roger Moore drive by. <laughs> and that's how I feel. It's like, okay, Marvel, most successful entertainment franchise of all time, or film franchise. Uh, yes, it contains uh, Endgame. It also contains Modoc. <laughs> and we'll come back to that, because I, I feel like that's... Modoc was like people like rubbing the sleep from their eyes, <laughs> and like children emerging into the daylight, going, "What's that yellow ball?" <laughs> <laughs> um, but but anyways, yeah, I only see people making fun of them, and but I'm like, is this out of context? And okay, I want to mention this, and then we can talk about the movie, but. Marvel is one of those franchises, of which there are many, where I don't understand which ones are supposed to be the good ones and which ones are supposed yeah. to be the bad ones, right? Mm-hmm. Where, like, yeah, people are weird about Endgame, but, like, what what is, like, the actual best Marvel movie? Like, a, a lot of people would probably nominate Black Panther. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the worst one out of the entire MCU? Going all the way back. Oh, uh, I don't even know if I can name one. Um, 
Uh, just the, the subject of like Iron Man Toe, Quantumania, like Quantumania. You think it's Quantumania? I would go okay. with Quantumania. I am willing to bet if you showed me Black Panther and Quantumania, the difference on my letterbox, which I don't have, star mm-hmm. rating would be half a star. Yeah. It's that it's that sort of deal, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it's not like it's not like the difference to stick with my bond metaphor. It's not the same as like the gap between Casino Royale and the man with the golden gun, mm-hmm. where it's literally exponentially ten times as good. Mm-hmm. Like, no, like the the difference between like the best one and the worst one is negligible. I'm the same way about Star Wars. I'm yeah. go off on that, where when people are like Oh yeah, the the last Jedi was such a piece of shit. But you know what's good is the Revenge of the Sith. Like you, you sure they're not just like uniformly <laughs> terrible? <laughs> Say like the weirdest. The thing I can never get over: Rogue One. Mm-hmm. It's exactly as bad. Probably even a little more boring. Like it's a better movie than Rise of Skywalker, but yeah. I would argue it's maybe even less fun to sit through. Yeah, and that's the one where people go. Okay, well, even if you hate them, watch that. Even if you hate X-Men, watch Logan. <laughs> but I, I actually like Logan. But those weird phenomena where you're like, it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so I maybe I'm going to be a hypocrite because I, I do like the Guardians a little bit more than anything else. Uh, but that, that's how I felt about Marvel lately, whenever they would say, Oh, the Love and Thunder really dropped the ball. Yeah, it wasn't good like the preceding Thor movies. <laughs> so anyway, I, I just got to get that off my chest, I guess. This is so much negativity. Let's go into a movie that uh, I broadly enjoyed, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Yeah, Guardians okay. of the Galaxy 3. <laughs> Thanks. So people, you can go ahead and start the episode at minute 14. You're <laughs> fine. Jeremy Alice even said the, the title again, so we're good. But uh, it, yeah, the I like the movie, and uh, one of the things that I dig is just uh, just in the opening. Um, of course, Star Lord is sad because the Gamora of his universe died, and Gamora of <laughs> this universe doesn't know or like him. And uh, this is already too complicated. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how he's, you know, it's his bad breakup, so he's listening to Creep by Radiohead. Yeah. That's like the perfect song choice. Was, was that him or was that Rocket? The Rocket went into the bar to like, hey, t- turn this off. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought I thought his whole thing is that like he was listening to it and started bopping around. But I'm not going to split hairs over those. I guess I just... There is... By the way, I did like this movie... There's like five different very important scenes mm-hmm. in this movie that I missed. Not because like I went to the bathroom or anything, but like I looked down at a French fry in order to put it into my mouth. <laughs> and then when I looked up, Elizabeth DeBecky's character had died. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is a long movie and it is still overstuffed. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you there. It starts off on like the kind of. The dour note. They always like a good musical opening, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, uh, my uh, lady love, my, my dainty lady wife, put on the uh, soundtrack. Because, you know, they dropped those before the mm-hmm. movie. It was on uh, YouTube, and we listened to it, and we were like, 
I feel like maybe they blew through their A game in the first two soundtracks. Yeah. Because Guardians 1 is like an all-time bestseller on vinyl, right? Mm-hmm. It's, like, to give the game away, the Guardian soundtracks, they're not curated the way that, say, like a Tarantino soundtrack will be. James Gunn just has the same taste as your dad. Mm-hmm. Which is not a bad thing. My dad liked the Rolling Stones and Van Morrison. Yeah. And he was right to do so. <laughs> but it is very... When, when James Gunn is, is like, here's a little track I think you might like by a band. You probably haven't heard of them. Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's just like, you hear Uga Chaka come on, and, and you're like, who is this? Is this new? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it's very much just like, you know, the just Breakfast Club style. Like, mm-hmm. just 70s AM radio gold, you're not going to hear any complaints from me. Same thing, in this movie, uh, we got, there's a couple needle drops I like. I'm a sucker for Adam Warlock. Flying through the vast nightmare of space to uh, uh, the tune of heart. <laughs> I'm a heart man. I'm mm-hmm. fine with that. But listening to the whole thing, you're like, yeah, everybody likes that acoustic cover of Creed. Everybody likes heart. It gets by well enough. It does feel very much like the same way this is the third movie. It's like, yeah, this is the third soundtrack. Yeah. You, you try doing a third soundtrack. This is the third disc on the collection. Yeah. Oh, boy. You heard of B-Sides? I hope you like C-Sides. <laughs> um, do we want to say anything about the previous films? Not in terms of plot synopsis, but like... I, I guess just to maybe justify... <laughs> since I kind of openly hate the larger MCU franchise, why is this the one we're talking about? Why, why, after, like, shitting on this for the last five years of the podcast, am I going, I like this. This was fun. <laughs> I think it's because Guardians is in its own little corner of the Marvel Universe and it doesn't get disturbed that much. I think you are absolutely right. Um, you don't have to worry about, like, what did Spidey do, like, when he was talking to this? Oh, fuck you. I'm a, I just care about the crew of this show. Yeah. And it's like when Thor joins just so they can make the Asgardians of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And like I haven't seen Love and Thunder, but you told me he cannot like leave the team fast enough. Yeah. It, it's the most like, yeah, there's like a Thor 3.5 movie that you're not seeing and you're not going to. <laughs> it's like how Once Upon a Time in Mexico opens with a flashback and you go, oh, could I watch that movie instead? <laughs> <laughs> um... I, I am totally with you there, uh, and I realized I, I don't really want to see any of this stuff anymore. Like, this is definitely my swan song, but we'll come to that when we do, like, final judgments. Uh, insofar as I ever wanted to see any of these, I did find myself most partial to the cosmic stuff. Back when I read Marvel Comics, uh, as a younger man, I was drawn to, like, Spidey and X-Men. Like, the most boring, yeah. you know, cheese pizza taste possible, but that's what was big at the time. And I never read, like, an, the Infinity War comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an adult, like, one of those in- things that, like, interests you, because you don't have to read it, you can just read about it. Yeah. Cosmic Marvel is the thing that tickles me the most. Like, Jim Starlin-style Thanos and 
comic Thanos is way weirder than movie Thanos. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, thirsty Thanos. And just, uh, like, Adam Warlock and his main enemy is future himself, but he's purple and has a fro. <laughs> yeah. And just all, all the characters, like, all the dumbest shit. So, like, the tree that looked like Jim Morrison and, like, the living embodiment of time where if you arrived at it, it had to grant you a wish. And, of course, Ego, the living planet. I'm like, all the, the blacklight poster stuff yeah. for Marvel is the cosmic stuff. Eon, Eternity, and Ego. Yeah, and I found that that, uh, during, like, the brief window where I was like, yeah, I could fuck with the, the Marvel movies, that, like, two and a half year mistake. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where, like, I briefly misjudged them as being better than they were. Where, you, you know what I mean? Where yeah. it's like, Guardians comes out, Winter Soldier comes out, and you're like, well, you know, these are, uh, these are kind of finding their stride. Like, th- these are... These are turning out pretty well, good, and the next one's Ultron. You, oh no, <laughs> false alarm, everyone! <laughs> As you were, but but uh, yeah, I I found that the stuff from the movies I liked the most is when it was that sort of cosmic kind of skittle colored, goofy spell jammer, yeah, like vibe to the whole thing. Uh, found that infinitely more entertaining than watching like. The premise of Ant-Man, where it's like, what if... That, every Avengers movie, the premise is, what if celebrities were famous? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, great. G- give me the tree and the raccoon. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and the big thing when the first one came out is that it was the most untried out of all the Marvel properties, right? Mm-hmm. And X-Men did well. I was like, oh, it's not that big a surprise. I'm sure it was they were a big de- comic. It'd probably yeah. be a big movie. They were delighted, but it, it's like, what's going to be like the breakthrough success? Probably, literally, the best-selling comic of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't mind-blowing when you know, a, a Spidey movie comes out and is actually relatively good. Sam Raimi manages to make the movie fun and tolerable. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, and it, it's. The whole thing, we don't have to rehash entirely, but the MCU is what it is because it was all the characters they hadn't already licensed out. Yeah. So you got stuck with, like, nobody really cared about Iron Man before Robert Downey Jr. Mm -hmm. Some people maybe cared about Captain America, but, like, why? (laughs) Um, Really, the Hulk was the only one that was, like, your mom would have heard of this character. Right, mm-hmm. uh, and so you know, obviously, like Joss Whedon Avengers proves this is a going concern. Guardians comes out, and that's the one where it's like, are people gonna be into this? Yeah, like th- this is not based on like this sort of cultural osmosis of the Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. and then it, it succeeds on its own terms, and that that even more than the Avengers because that felt like a fate accompli. Yeah. Like, all your toys meet. Guardians of the Galaxy was, like, you end up marrying the blind date. Mm. It it was, like, that level of, like, okay, okay, like, I'm doing this now. Um, You open the door, name Jay, is there? Yeah, no, yeah, why am I grasping for a metaphor when the specific one is already baked into the the property? Mm. (laughs) So, yeah, the first one comes out. uh, 
quite frankly, still probably the best of these, right? Yeah, I think so. Like, if somebody came into the room with a shotgun and said, like, you have to watch one of these tonight, well, uh, Guardians won. <laughs> I don't hate it, and I think it's under two hours. <laughs> uh, then Guardians 2 is, uh, you know, I'd say the first one is still the best, but I don't have any real complaints about Guardians 2. If it's a little baggier in some places, a little more self-aware, flip side of that, more Michael Rooker mm-hmm. and uh, Kurt Russell. <clears throat> yep. is, that's, by the way, Ego is, Marvel famously to this day still has like weak villains, or more thin villains. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's like easily the best character from the, this little mini franchise. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the best bad guy. And then you have this long-ass gap, which I'm sure we'll get to the reasons why later. Uh, you have that Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special that was meant to be, like, the appetizer for this. Um, we certainly don't need to spend too much time on it, but what did you think of that? I liked it. It was, it was neat. But I was expecting, like, oh, it, it's time for the Guardians holiday Here's Bleep Bloop and Gleep Glorp, our friends from planet Zargon. Like, I thought... But yeah, I, uh, I liked it. It was... I thought it was going to be so much goofier and, you know, have the kind of campy uh, value of the, the, the Star Wars holiday special. Yeah. But I like what I got. Yeah, um, I think... Uh, I'm not here to rain piss down upon it. I, it sounds like you maybe liked it more than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just such a thing. It looked like it was like very cheaply made. Um, I'm not knocking uh, Palm Clementine. <laughs> Clementia. P- Pomeranian Clementia and uh, uh, Batista. Because mm-hmm. they're they're actually probably my favorite part of the movies at this yeah. point. But when it was just like, well, uh, Star Lord has a headache, but Drax and <laughs> the what's her face? I was about to say Moth Mantis. Mantis. Yeah, Drax and Mantis try to cheer him up. Be like, oh, the the two that weren't that busy. I'm not saying they don't have careers. I'm just saying like it was maybe a little easier to film around <laughs> their schedule than Chris Pratt's or the woman from Avatar, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, the, the ones where we don't have to CGI them every time they're on screen. So it was very much like the the two most uh, available of the crew just kind of hanging out on the same two sets and not not exciting or anything, but also not as funny as you'd probably like it to be. Yeah. And my takeaway from it is like, I don't even think I like the special. I think I just like the fairy tale of New York, and they <laughs> cheat coded by putting that in the very beginning. Yeah, um, I was with you. This is very much like I'm a victim of my own expectations. It's like in addition to all the other reasons to hate Suicide Squad, one reason I hate it is because I thought it was going to be them fighting the Joker. Yeah, I've talked about this before. I'm like, and it was. Before I know. They... Oh, was it? Was I, it the... I think in the original script it was them fighting the Joker. The whole thing was going to be like Harley breaks free of his manipulative okay. clutches and stuff like that. Because uh, yeah, like every trailer, it was like 
you saw a lot of Jared Leto, and you didn't realize that was every scene of him in the movie, which yeah. having seen him, <laughs> it's already more than enough in retrospect. But yeah, he's like front and center in the trailers. Every poster is like the group off to one side, and then the Joker standing there, and you're like, in your head, you write, oh, it's a movie where like they get the most dangerous criminals in the world to hunt the single most dangerous man alive. It's yeah. a pretty A to B premise. Seems like it would be hard to screw that up. That's not what the movie's about. That, I don't know why it wasn't. That seems like what the movie should have been about. <laughs> but apparently not. Same thing. They, they announced this like five years ago, the way they do it. Yeah. Movies. With the, the, I read the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, and I thought, oh, it's going to be a goof. Mm-hmm. Like James Gunn loves that shit, you know the same energy he brings to like the toy commercial in the middle of the specials. Right? <laughs> yeah. I so much thought that this would be like a very bad '70s pastiche where it's like some of the characters aren't available and the costumes don't look as good. I basically thought it was going to be Guardians Inferno for one hour. Yeah, yeah. Which, if people don't know that, it is the I'm kind of annoyed at how much I like that song because it's such a fu- it's such a fucking nothing song. Yeah, it's it's like an end credits rap basically, <laughs> but it's the surprisingly tuneful song that plays over Guardians Two mm-hmm. in the end credits. Where if you look up the music video, it's them doing like Soul Train. Yeah, it's the sort of shit where like if they did that now, I would just do the Robichet. Mm-hmm. Like a friend of mine showed me Hawkeye has like. Within Hawkeye, there is a musical about the Avengers, the Battle of New York or whatever. Yeah. It's like, you gotta see it. They do it like a Broadway play, and I'm sitting there like, just, do do you remember whose grave was it that they dug the body up and put it in Peter Lorre's house? (laughs) John Barrymore. Yeah, when John Barrymore died, and they just propped him in Peter Lorre's sofa and waited to see how long he'd be home before he noticed him. That was me watching that. <laughs> Where it's just, oh, you're going to love it. Like, the, the Captain America actor he has a number called I could do this all day, and just me cricket noises <laughs> emerging from my eyes. If they did it this day and age, I'd be sick of it, but the, the, at the time, it was very cute. Mm-hmm. I, even in my head, I'm thinking of it where, like, you could do a fake film grain over the whole thing. Yeah. You could have it so it looks like commercials have been cut out of the thing. And yeah. so it, it's, like... Close to black. Yeah, come on. News at 11, and, like, where, where, like, the commercials don't quite get cut out. <laughs> yeah. Of the, uh, you could do all of that. You could have an animated segments like mm-hmm. the Boba Fett thing. <laughs> yeah. So you could have some bullshit that, like, never leads anywhere. <laughs> Where they meet Howard the Duck or Modoc or whoever. Uh, I thought it would be that, and then it's just kind of a, uh, like, well, we made Guardians 3, and we didn't tear down the Nowhere set left, and we had $13 <laughs> left in the kitty. <laughs> so this is to reintroduce you to the characters. Um, and when I, when I saw that, I went, oh, um, I don't think I like these. <laughs> I think this is just a victim of... Between, like, spring of 2017 and today, I have very much changed my stance on this uh, this whole mega franchise. I am pleased to say Guardians 3 was better than that. I was a, it was a good time at the movies, as we'll get into. Uh, 
I'm not doing another one of these. Okay. I'll just I'll just say that right up front. Like I had a positive attitude. I liked it, but but my my attitude was very much like, boy, it was a it was good to see the gang again, for the last time. <laughs> yeah. It's great to see you guys off. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, I've been talking away. Why don't you tell me a little bit about the movie itself? Yeah, the movie. Uh... I have to admit, I had my puff puff before I saw it, <laughs> and uh, which greatly enhanced the space scenes. And uh, but yeah, the what it, the plot was kind of mercurial for me. Um, the plot, in brief, is that uh, Rocket gets hurt. Mm-hmm. They're unable to heal him without tracking down his creator, who is also trying to track them down. And the last, it's a two and a half hour movie of which the last hour and a half are characters getting captured and escaping. Mm-hmm. So, done in entertaining fashion, but the plot is more or less interchangeable with like a Tom Baker Doctor Who four-parter. Yeah. And there you have it. And our villain in this outing is the High Evolutionary. Yeah. And I really like the guy that plays him because he, he plays him as kind of a English foppish type character, like the, just the movements and the voice are really well done. This is going to sound like a really dumb criticism, given that I'm talking about Guardians of the Galaxy three, starring Groot and Rocket. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a little big. Yeah, it it was big, but I think it. Yeah, fit. I like. To, to each their own, it was it sounded like it was just right for you and maybe a, a bridge too far for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a scene sort of middle of the movie during a flashback. There's a lot of flashbacks in this. He's yelling at Baby Rocket and he actually like crouches. You know like when Akuma like does a wind stance? Yeah. That kind of crouch. Mm-hmm. He essentially like is like hunkered down and yelling. And... I'm like, this would probably kill in, like, a play mm-hmm. where you got to keep people's attention. Like, it's big even in a scene where he's surrounded by the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I, I try to sympathize because I'm like, the actor probably didn't even know where he was supposed to be looking. Yeah. So it's like, what's my eyeline? This, you know, this little stuffed toy that's the size of the Servbot in Marvel vs. Capcom 2 <laughs> <laughs> where you can't hit it. Uh, it, it was... A little big for me. Uh, I feel, again, to reference the past villains, uh, Guardians 1, Ronan the Accuser is nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, Lee, Lee Pace is like a cool actor. Yeah. He's got a cool voice. That's very much a Malekith, like, mm-hmm. insert villain B into tab A sort of villain. Uh, Ego is pretty outstanding. Yeah. This maybe felt like somewhere in between. It, it was something. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say that. Compared to some of the Marvel villains... It's a decision. Yeah, like he's at least like in the movie and matters and gets screen time. So the fact that it was like, I don't know if I loved everything he was doing, but at least he was doing something. Yeah. Uh, puts it head and shoulders above uh, the, the Destroyer. What was the <laughs> thing in Thor? Yeah. The Ironmonger. The Destroyer. Yeah. Destroyer, bitch. Uh, so I'll give it that. Um, and when he came on, I remember turning to you in the theater and going, 
That's the high evolutionary. I remember turning to you and going, that's chappy, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> in the comics, the high evolutionary is kind of uh, nothing, right? Right. He's essentially like Cosmic Dr. Moreau. Yeah, it, like, it, I'll put it this way. One of those, uh, fairly typically for Marvel, uh, a character that is an interesting idea, mm-hmm. but no, no real personality. Like yeah. a guy who stands there with his arms behind his back. And, like, sends a wave of, like, robot bees to fight you, sort mm-hmm. of villain. I, I just mean lacking the personality of a you know, Mysterio or somebody. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the the fact that they made up something besides, like, imperious as a personality <laughs> trait was, was sort of interesting. And uh, he's, he's a real scumbag in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was reading just a little bit afterwards, and apparently that was a conscious choice where, you, you know, you go on Wikipedia, and so it's like, Star-Lord is more vulnerable in this movie. Like, they... Yeah. It said guns specifically made the High Evolutionary, like, an absolute shithead because he felt like Marvel was getting into the rut of the sympathetic villains. So, mm-hmm. like, Loki becomes a hero... Killmonger was justified. Thanos is like a hero in his own head. Like, yeah. like he was he was he thought, what if we just had like the absolute most vile character where you're cheering when spoiler alert, Rocket rips his face off. Yeah. Yeah. Like, eh, you put it like that, and maybe likes it more. Maybe it makes me like it more in my head than when I was actually watching the thing. <laughs> yeah, so they they essentially have like the godlike Infinity War version of a Darth Ennis villain. <laughs> uh, but anyways, he's the main bad guy. They're trying to track... Get a hold of him while he's trying to track them down. Mm-hmm. He has his... Yeah, the Dr. Moreau thing is a good comparison. Mm-hmm. His crispy critters. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as how all of this plays out, um, I, don't, I don't think we need to knock ourselves out with like a plot summary. It's not badly done, but it's just... There's, there's going to be a heist yeah. for reasons that were maybe unnecessary in retrospect. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of running around getting captured. There's going to be a rescue mission. Like, I could complain, but it's not like the first two were intensely plot-driven either. Uh, you know, it, It's not like a Christopher Nolan-style approach to comic storytelling. Mm-hmm. So we, we won't worry so much about that, I suppose, but... Uh, Okay, vibes, though. Not what happened, but what did we like what we were seeing? Vibes? uh, It was interesting because if if you've seen the movie, you know that it's Rocket's origin, how he was vivisected and turned from normal-ass raccoon to Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. And uh, he has his kind of, his cellmates in the, like, vivisection chamber... So there's, like, a rabbit with mechanical spider legs and a fake iron jaw. Just very, like, grotesque, interesting designs. And it has the feel of a good, dark children's movie from the 80s. Okay. Like, just, I see what you're getting at. Just dark enough so that, like, you're excited about it, but not like, oh, this is gonna... Like, Mom's going to have to keep on the nightlight. It's it's not that dark, but it's, like, enough for a kid. Okay. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. 
Um, uh, you know, it's not like plague dogs, but... <laughs> no, we can safely say that about this movie in every regard. It's not plague dogs. <laughs> I can say, well... well it, somebody does lose a face. Yeah, I can say, like, well, at least you're right. <laughs> Rocket, could you hand me that shotgun? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, uh, it's nicely dark in some places, uh, we've talked about this a little bit before, I do like Guardians, but when we watched The Suicide Squad, Mm -hmm. The The Suicide Squad, uh, which I liked more than these. Yeah. Would you agree? I agree. Uh, you agree that I liked it more than these. Um. When I watched that, I, I think I found that I preferred it slightly to Guardians, and it made me think, oh, this is, I think this is the movie he actually wants to be making. Mm-hmm. Not to say that his heart is not in Guardians, I think it is to a, an embarrassing extent in some places. But you can kind of tell, like, like he, you know, he's Grand Poobah over at uh, DC now. He's like, well, I'm getting to work. I'm going to be directing a Superman movie. And I thought, James Gunn doesn't want to be directing a Superman movie. Like, he, he, wants, he wants you to pay him to do that. Yeah. He's happy to be doing that. I bet that if you paid him the exact same amount of money and said you can direct Superman or Creature Commandos, I think he would go do that. I think he's the guy who would always direct, like, he would rather, at the very least, he'd probably be doing, like, Ambush Bug or Plastic Man rather than Green Lantern, right? Yeah. The way I, the way I kind of see it is, as a former gross weirdo, uh, he has a love of telling stories about gross weirdos yeah. who get redeemed. And so there's stuff in here that I find uh, pleasingly weird and nicely gross. You can kind of tell when it, it's him, like, sticking his little head out, and you can also tell when it's him trying to be normal. Yeah. And surprise, surprise, him, like, the more trauma his movies are allowed to get, the better they often are. <laughs> yeah, the, like, when they go to Counter-Earth and see all the animal people, and yeah. little girls... So roll, stupid. <laughs> there's no reason to do that. They, the little girl rolls the ball over to Drax and just beams her... Yeah, yeah, which is just like such a. We're supposed to find Drax the most lovable of the entire crew, <laughs> and he's just like a shithead. And, but it's like, uh, I that's I'll put it that way. I feel like if James Gunn actually saw that in real life, like a guy unintentionally beating a kid <laughs> with a dodgeball, he would laugh and then catch himself. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh shit, I run DC. Uh, oh sir, come on. Now. <laughs> Oh shit, I run DC. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So, yeah, plot wise, there's only so much going on. Uh, there's too much going on, frankly. Um, one thing, uh, we'll, we'll talk about one of the new characters that's joining us. Uh, how did you like uh, Will Poulter? Uh, fresh off of his uh, one man show, Poltergeist. <laughs> uh, to play Adam Warlock, uh, there was there was not a lot of like I 
I did get Adam Warlock in the comics because it's so... It's so weird. It's so weird. It's so stranger in a strange land. Why do you fight when you can love? Like, that, that it's like on there with a trowel. And it, not to interrupt you, it's so clearly a Pat character. Mm-hmm. So the same way Chris Claremont will be like, I, I'm working on a Kitty Pride miniseries. Nobody else do anything with Kitty Pride this yeah. year, okay? And everyone's like, "Dude, yeah, fine." I was, <laughs> oh, oh no, let me change my will. <laughs> I feel like this the same thing is with like uh, with Adam Warlock. There was never a danger that like, oh, oh no, they they threw Adam Warlock and the Incredible Hulk, and now there's like a continuity error. No, no. If you want to, if you want to be the Adam Warlock guy, no one's gonna stop you. <laughs> this is kind of what Stan was with Silver Surfer. Now that I think about it, yeah. <laughs> but I, I like William Poulter. He has a very interesting face. <laughs> I no, I I mean that. I, the same way that Defoe has an interesting face. I I'm not trying to be mean to the guy. Uh, it, it was weird casting, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, this is a character where the... I guess the premise is that he's, like, the perfect yeah. man. Very much in, in... I don't know about the comics, but in the movie in particular, it's like, he, he is the perfect man. Mm-hmm. He's meant to be, like, the ultimate... Where they even compare him to... Jesus Christ, the moment later on where they literally compare him to Adam. Like yeah. Michelangelo's Adam. Mm-hmm. And then they get with Will Poulter, where not not even like oh like he he's hideously ugly, not in that sense, but he's a little weird looking, right? Yeah, it's like whoa, like Willem Dafoe's in amazing shape to this day, mm-hmm. kind of a distinct face, right? Yeah, I would think that if they were going to cast somebody in a this role. Then you would the joke would be that they you'd find the most traditionally handsome guy you could find, like John Hamm's probably a little too old, mm-hmm. but maybe him like twenty years ago, yeah, a younger Brad Pitt, whoever the modern equivalent is, like Zac Efron or something, somebody where the the joke is just that they're distractingly ludicrously handsome. Mm-hmm. And instead you just have this guy who, like every other character in the movie is like, oh, he's gonna. Kind of an odd duck. <laughs> He's in good shape. Yeah. I mean, they gave him the Marvel steroids. I'll give him that much. <laughs> um, but, and it's interesting later on because um, his costume gets dirty and his shirt gets ripped off partially. Yeah. And that uh, combined with the nice physique and the golden skin makes it Kind of like Doc Savage. Oh, yeah, yeah. and he has I, to, like, rub some octopus repellent on his pants. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good octopus repellent. Yeah, space, space squid, I guess. <laughs> they do fight one. Yeah. Uh, I know what you mean. I I would assume that that's intentional, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, if, I, you're make, if you're making a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, you're probably, like, a dork for Doc Savage. Yeah. Far be it from me, the... Like, that's one thing right there. Marvel has made me hate the concept of Easter eggs. <laughs> so it used to be, like, Mystique would get on a computer and there'd be a list of mutants and would say, like, Kurt Lycos. And you'd go, oh my god, I know who that is. Yeah. I know who that turns into in the con. 
Whereas nowadays, it, it's it's just so insufferable. It's just ugh. Where it's like, I'll just run these lab samples to uh, D- Dr. Kurt Connors, who I think we're familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> and you just shut the hell up, movie. So just train spotting the references is like the last thing I want to do with this movie. Even though there were one or two times, like the literally the title screen is Nebula carrying Chris Pratt's drunk ass mm-hmm. uh, through the middle of the, the space western road. But it's so clearly the uh, Supergirl dying. Yeah. One of the like half a dozen or so most famous covers pretty much ever. Yeah, I remember Kevin Smith also cribbed that shot in Dogma when Silent Bob is holding Bethany when she's dead. By the way, we might come back to Kevin Smith before this episode's out because I got a point to make there. Okay. I'm laying a lot of track this episode. Um... So yeah, they don't, they don't do all that much with Adam Warlock, to the point where, if they had not set him up in the last movie, they probably wouldn't have had him. Yeah, do you think this so clear? Okay, who am I to guess? It's all conjecture. At the end of Guardians Two, I think they were pretty clearly setting up that the next escapade would be largely based around. Fighting or facing or chasing Adam Warlock. Mm-hmm. I think in my head, I'm like, I bet that James Gunn had a little folder that just said, like, Guardians ideas. They fight eternity. Yeah. <laughs> they find a hole. Like, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And then since he came back, but this was very explicitly going to be the last one, I think he, ju- he like, went, okay, what was my idea for, like, Movie number seven. Yeah. Because I'm kind of skipping to the end here. Yeah. Um, and by the way, a similar thing happens with Star Wars, which obviously Star Wars' DNA is all over this. They kind of dump everything. They kind of dump out the toy box with Rise of Skywalker. Well, Rise of Skywalker in particular. Uh, but that uh, documentary that you recommended to me, the really long one, the In Search of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had somehow, like, never heard this in 30 years, but they finally explained, uh, not for the first time, just the first time I'm hearing it, why Return of the Jedi is the way it is. Why it's one movie and then halfway through it's a different movie. Yeah. And I'm rather fond of each of the two movies. Yeah. But it, it is very, it's not like, like you know, most movies have, like, a you know, several plot lines running at once. Mm-hmm. This is just like like writing with death on Mystery Science. <laughs> yeah. One of those TV movies where it's like, okay, it's 50 minutes. Let's really awkwardly shift to the second episode <laughs> of the TV show. Uh, to a voiceover, perhaps. And I found out the reason why they had initially planned to just kind of keep them going indefinitely. Uh, the third Star Wars movie, episode six, I guess, was going to be them fighting Boba Fett. They were going to chase Boba Fett. They were going to get Han back. I think it would have culminated with Jabba mm-hmm. the way that it does here. That's why Boba Fett is built up so much for no very clear reason. Yeah. That's why it ends on such a cliffhanger. That was just going to be the movie, like the quest for Solo or some mm-hmm. shit like that. Then, at another point, they were going to bring in Palpatine and all this other stuff. The same way that when Yoda goes, like, 
oh, there is another. It's so clear that they don't mean Leia. They're just throwing that out there, and it's like, well, we got three years to decide who we meant. Yeah. We just said the thing, and we can wait. Uh, we can anticipate this. And then somewhere between 1980 and 1983, George Lucas goes, well, I don't want to make Star Wars anymore. <laughs> so he just folds, like... The next movie and what was going to be the last movie into one thing, mm-hmm. which is, I, I kind of like it, but that's why it's so goddamn weird yeah. structurally. That's what this felt like. Adam Warlock is so clearly the, clearly the Boba Fett. The, every time he ap- appears in this movie, you go, oh, right, him. <laughs> yeah. Which honestly kind of works from a narrative viewpoint. Like, having a human missile that just, like, shows up and ruins scenes when the audience is starting to fall asleep a little bit. <laughs> not it, a bad idea. Honestly, not a bad idea. Like, he kicks things off, he wraps things up, and he blows up some shit in the meantime. <laughs> but it is very much like, he, he's like Otto and Berserker, just like, things are going pretty smoothly, and oh shit, let's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'm down for that, I guess. Um, you could take him out of the movie without changing much. And yet, he has a couple decent scenes. I like when they catch the guy in the big, the horrible office building that's, like, made out of a scab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when they say, like, we need you to interrogate this guy. Like, hurt him to get information. And he just, like, jet engines the guy's face for a minute straight. And it cuts to him, and it's just, like, a skeleton that falls apart in the chair. Yeah. I'm like, look, I'm not made of stone. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> That is a layoff of a joke. It's a very James Gunn style joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, so just to address the giant ripped golden elephant in the room. Uh, since we're talking about characters, what do you think of the cast themselves? We, we kind of already incidentally did like the villain and the rando. What about the actual Guardians of the Galaxy this time around? Are you... Into this? Are you getting tired of them? What do you think? Um, a little tired, but uh, there's some funny stuff. There's some interesting stuff. I always loved Mantis. Um, we have Cosmo the dog, played by Bor- that. That was pretty good. <laughs> played by Borat's daughter. The dog. Yeah, I, I remember. I even have the Wikipedia page up. In Maria Bakalova. Thank you. I can never remember her goddamn name. Uh, I'm going to let you finish. (laughs) But when they showed the poster, it Mm -hmm. has Cosmo and Craglin on there. Yeah. Craig Craglin taters. Um, I remember looking at the poster and thinking, that's too many Guardians of the Galaxy. You you should get rid of some of them. (laughs) Because that was my thing going into, again, the original Suicide Squad. I could never remember who was on the team. <laughs> like, anytime somebody described the roster of Suicide Squad, and I get that it's overstuffed because they die, right? Yeah. But even so, that first movie, it always sounded like somebody was stalling for time. It's like, oh, the, yeah, it features, like, Harley Quinn and uh, uh, Killer Croc and uh, Captain Boomerang and... Uh, Oh, uh, what else? Uh, searches around the room, sees a sword. Uh, we got uh, Katana is in there. What else can I tell you about myself? Uh, Slipknot? Uh, is that a thing? Is that a guy? <laughs> and then it, it was always like there's 14 characters in that movie, and I can hold six of them in my head <laughs> at one time. I was starting to feel that way about the Guardians. 
But by the way, it, it is still too many characters. When they threw in Craglin and Cosmo, I thought, I don't know that this team needs, like, more members. <laughs> I was very pleased to see that they're the B team. Yeah. They're the hold down the fort team. Also, maybe the two actual funniest characters in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I think purely just because they're using them sparingly. There's maybe a point where after two and a half hours, hearing Paul Clementiev like talk like Bjork yeah. is like, I, okay, I'm at like a threshold for this <laughs> a little bit. Because there's only like three Cosmo and Kraglin scenes, I am very much like, where's Cosmo and Kraglin? <laughs> Jill <laughs> just cut back. Please call me a good girl. <laughs> no. Also, Sean Gunn just has the weirdest body in the world. He, oh my, he hikes his pants up so it's this yeah. magnificent gun. And he's, he's just right there staring at you. And he's he's a good physical comedian. Like, every everybody and their mother knows that he does the mocap for, like, Rocket and some mm-hmm. of the other critters. Again, if you watch the specials, it's like almost entirely a physical performance. Yeah. It's pretty good. So I know they build it up, but still, when you see him at the beginning of the movie, he looks like a guy who his whole deal would be Popeye would uppercut him and he would shoot into the air and leave his PJs and his boots behind yeah. and then he would land back in them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, Cosmo and Craglin are used... Very sparingly, which is exactly right. <laughs> Weird idea for a character, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So it's just Laika, the space dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Maria uh, Cornucopia is like two for two, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, between this and Borat. Uh, and then as far as the regular cast, like the ones we've actually met before, like what, what do you think? Do we... Do we have anything to say about Chris Pratt? I don't think we have much to say. (laughs) I mean, like, for every returning character, it really is like, okay, we got most of you in the first one, we got all of you in the second one, and we got a lot of you in the Christmas special. No, no real curveballs. No real curveballs. Um... Kind of starting to wear out their welcome. I'm glad this is the last one. That's... I will say that uh, for a movie which sounds like we're all over the place, I'm pretty positive on it sounds like you were too. But again, like, that's it. It's like the diet starts Monday kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm, I like the characters, and that that is almost entirely the reason I showed up again. I, I would not... I watched, like, Winter Soldier back in the day, but I never want to see another Captain America movie. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I watched the Shane Black Iron Man. That's the only one I've ever seen. I don't... I, I wish I could unsee it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired of uh, that character. Uh, so this was very much like, this is the one gang that I could do one more rodeo with. But after that, sticking mm-hmm. fork at me. They seem like they're a little tired of it, too. Yeah. Like, not, not to the point where it necessarily uh, hurts the movie, but just to kind of briefly go across the board, um, as far as the critters, Groot, Groot is nothing. Yeah. They even redesigned him because the super tall Groot was too cumbersome. 
Yeah, by the way, I hate the new Groot. Buff Groot is... Oh, my God. I do... God. so weird. It somehow looks cheesier than Baby Groot. Yeah. Because Baby Baby Groot's like this cute little minion thing that was designed to sell toys. But you're like, eh, okay, but like that's the joke that... Yeah. It's a little less... (laughs) And then it'll get bigger again. Yeah. Weird-looking Gandalf Groot from the first movie is still the best one. Right? Mm-hmm. The sort of long-faced, you know, Neil from the Young Ones energy to yeah. him. Um, I don't like Ninja Turtle Groot. This is by far my least favorite design yeah. for this character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also, when he, there's a scene where it's like Kaiju Groot and he grows big to scare some people. Yeah. Like, I just realized I don't think I ever need to hear a, uh, a white person say the word Kaiju again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get to, but in a movie, I'm past the point of hearing somebody go like, it's a kaiju as a punchline. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we everybody gets what that means now. It's not actually any different. Steve Ag going, we got a freaking kaiju up in this shit. Yeah. Guys, Jews, we got a kaiju. <laughs> there were some Jews in the Suicide Squad, so it's not offensive. <laughs> All that for shitty wordplay. Um, so, oh, when we're talking about casting, I, I think, uh, one of the, uh, uh, guards or something in the, one of the prisons was played by, uh, uh James Gunn's wife. Mm-hmm. Just unforgivable. <laughs> Surely that violates some sort of ethics clause, right? This woman who's been in four movies and I still don't really know what she looks like, so clearly they're overusing her. It's not just like a fun cameo or something. And why would you want to work with your partner? Like, a person that you love and share your life with? Ugh. Yeah, God. Gross. How, how does he even get away with this? I mean, it was one thing when they made 12 Resident Evil movies starring a guy's wife and 14 Underworld movies starring a guy's wife. This is entirely yeah. different, though. Yeah, I mean, this character where, like, I only know it because you point it out to me every time. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we're making fun of something very specific here. <laughs> so I don't I understand if anybody just 30 seconds skip, 30 seconds skip. <laughs> um Oh yeah, so Groot, that, that's nothing. Like and the and the movie doesn't really seem to know what to do with Groot either. Mm-hmm. Uh I think even going back to the first one, I remember they said one reason they did baby Groot was because Groot was always the character where they kind of forgot he was there. Yeah. Uh, he's like the sand demon from Journey to the West. It's like, oh, right, we forgot to give that one a personality. <laughs> um, so they made him baby Groot because that's at least something. Groot's not doing that much in this. The fact yeah. that he, he's like minding the ship. Like, was Groot the pilot? <laughs> was, was that his deal until now? I, I imagine they all know how to fly it. Like, as a matter of necessity, but I never pictured him in that role. Okay, guys. In this last movie, we've got Groot. Yay! But the thing about Groot is he's had an infestation of spruce bark beetles, <laughs> so he won't be saying anything or doing anything. <laughs> like, I knew where you were going with that. I was just like, is it going to be Dutch Elm disease? <laughs> like, what's it going to be? Uh, and then, weird, if I may, weirdly underused as, like, uh, an emotional reference point, too, because... The whole thing with Groot and Rocket is that yeah. they go way, way back, right? Mm-hmm. 
like within the team, they're the ones that have been a unit for the longest and they were partners in crime. And like people love to say like, oh, in Infinity War, when Groot died and said Groot one last time, he was calling Rocket father. Yeah. And, uh, I, I don't know. I don't speak Groot, but people who were into that shit told me that. <laughs> Why is he not the, the emotional center point of the movie, then? I don't know. There's, there's a scene where, like, Rocket has a near-death experience. He's about to go into the light. And, the, like, Star-Lord is the one, like, No, Rocket, you've never given up on anything before in your life. Don't give up on this. And you kept to Groot just kind of going, like, Oh, oh man. Yeah. Kind of look on his face, and I went, He should be the one that, like, like Rocket dies, and then he starts murdering people, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess they already like he, murder people. He becomes the group from the 1950s <laughs> comic. That just turns something. huge and starts destroying Earth. <laughs> that would have been something. Uh, it, it was like they forgot that that was his whole deal mm-hmm. in between the decade or so since the first movie. Uh, Rocket is... This is kind of Rocket's movie. Yeah. And then the flip side of that is that he's not really in it that much. <laughs> same, weirdly, he's out of commission. Weirdly, the same thing with the second movie where... Rocket and Yondu, and I guess Groot, have, like, the B-plot, so mm-hmm. they can kind of keep everyone cordoned off. Rocket's always kind of not with the group until the third act. Yeah. I don't know if it's to save money on the CGI or, or, or what. But easier for the actors when they can... There's already six of them in a scene. They don't have to be, like, looking down for where the, the tennis ball on a Roomba is on the floor. <laughs> Uh, and then as far as the main cast goes, um, Mantis is just kind of reliable. Like, I don't know what yeah. Pom Clementius' deal is. I've never seen her in anything else. She seems like she's having a good time. Uh, Drax is still the MVP. Yeah. Like, un- unsurprisingly, Batista's just... I-, I did not expect that to happen, but wrestler Dave Batista became the mark of a good movie. Mm-hmm. Where he pops up in Bond or The Man with the Iron Fist. And you're like, okay, now we're talking. I don't know why if Anthony Hopkins is in a movie, it means it's going to suck. <laughs> but if Dave Batista is in a movie, it means it's going to be good. I, I did not expect that to happen. Should we give Stuber another chance? <laughs> Very possibly. It's, it's got Drax and Kingo. How can I've, it go wrong? I've heard it's stupendous. Um, so I, I heard that. It's on the, the poster. Yeah, It's uh, stuper duper. Yeah, and in fact, uh, because he plays a mercenary in the movie, Drax, I mean, uh, Batista is literally dressed up like a million-dollar trooper. <laughs> that was a long way to go. Yeah, so anyways, you thought the wait between Volume 2 and Volume 3 of Guardians was long. <laughs> when do you see the pier that takes you to the stuber Duber joke? Uh, I misjudged you, Stuber. <laughs> it is weird, though, that the whole thing is like, Oh no, I'm a skinny guy and like this buff murderer got in the back of my cab and now Kamel's more built than <laughs> Yeah. Like cause like Batista's like getting up there a little bit in age, so he's like built like a dad that used to work out. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, where it's Kingo is just <laughs> he's the ultimate man. <laughs> Not to totally backtrack. I, I've told you before my premise. He's built like the half blue and half red guy from <laughs> Street Fighter 3. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Packers fan. <laughs> Not wrong team, but you know what I mean. Um, 
<laughs> such a stupid boss. <laughs> yeah. You like you like back at M Bison where it's just like, hey, what if what if we crossed like Chairman Mao with the like Tatsunoda Kato? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's better than whatever this shit is. <laughs> the banana hammock over here gets two life bars. Fuck that guy. Um, do you you know my premise that everything these days is just a shittier version of Venture Brothers from fifteen years ago? Yeah, like. The way dialogue works, the way references work, the stuff that's made into movies. Yeah. It's just like, what if we could do, like, a Venture Brothers season two episode, but, like, maybe one fifteenth is funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, not, not to backtrack, that's Adam Warlock to me. Yeah, he's the ultimate man in the same way that the mummy from uh, Venture Brothers is. Hank, stop writing the ultimate man. <laughs> Where it's handsome, but, like, literally brain dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back to it. Um, what was I even talking about? <laughs> yeah, uh, so I don't know if, like, Bradley Cooper's tired of collecting a paycheck for once every seven years. He gets on a phone and reads a magazine while going, Oh, sorry, the safety wasn't on. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Uh, okay, J- Drax. Batista's mm-hmm. awesome. He's the MVP. One thing that's kind of cute, if you were to watch these in sequence, including the holiday sequence, uh, the holiday special, you notice how Drax starts to put on more and more layers? Yeah. First movie, Drax is shirtless. Mm-hmm. Time we get up to the holiday special, it's like, Drax, Drax is rocking a vest. Yeah. You get up to the third movie, it's like, Drax will be wearing a full military uniform with only his head visible. And you can just see them, like, shrinking the number of hours that Batista has to be in the makeup <laughs> yeah. chair. Yeah. Uh, which, I, dude, I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing. He's He's been, like, nothing but positive about being in the movie. And, like, he clearly loves James Gunn to death. Yeah, he's the first person to come to his defense. Yeah. Um, so it, it seems like nothing but, uh, good vibes, but he has said, like, I'm ready to do something a little meatier. Mm-hmm. They had some profile on him, uh, like a couple months back. I think it was around the time that Shyamalan movie came out. I still haven't seen it because, yeah, because it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> I imagine he's good in it though. And he talked about how he'd like to do more actual dramatic stuff. And, like, not, not like, shitty or resentful or anything, but he was pretty upfront about, like, I can do something besides, like, buffoon, good guy, and glowering henchman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he probably could. Yeah. I mean, he's already handily the best uh, wrestler turned actor, right? Mm-hmm. High bar to clear, I know. <laughs> um, he's been, he even said, like, it's really fun playing Drax, but, you know, he's just kind of a goofball. I'm like, yeah, I, I love Drax. I mean, I really do. It's probably easily my favorite MCU character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's maybe a note that they've played enough after 10 years. I could see him wanting to move on. Chris Pratt's just totally checked out, but that's no different than anything. He's yeah. just a scoop of vanilla ice cream that you can cast in anything. Mm-hmm. Which, that's what makes it so annoying when he's, like, the number one actor in the world. Like, and he's just the default for your exactly. character on the video game. Yeah, like like Tom Cruise is, you know, 
maybe like a creep in real life for various reasons. Uh, but you feel like Tom Cruise becoming like Mr. Ultimate Megastar was because just like intense, frightening charisma. Mm-hmm. You want me to jump off a plane? Because I'll do it. He willed Mission Impossible into being a franchise. That's a movie series that went 10 years without having a good installment. And he just was like, no, we're going we're gonna to do it right this time. And then they fight like, like four movies in, they finally figure out <laughs> what's good about it. <laughs> we joke about Ryan Reynolds getting so many second chances. And like, Tom Cruise will wait you out until you like his shit again. <laughs> yeah. So say, I'm not even a fan, but I'm like, well, you know. Spielberg War of the Worlds ain't half bad, I got it. <laughs> yeah, like, th- these people who become... I'm like, I get why Paul Newman was the biggest star in the world at one point. Like, mm-hmm. look at him. Uh, and then you have Chris Pratt, where the whole point is that it's just... Nothing. Yeah. Literally anybody could play his character in... Jurassic World, one of the most popular movies of all time financially. I could not name you the main character. You know that joke everybody makes about Avatar? Yeah. I bet you don't even remember Jake Soley's name. <laughs> like, no, I do, because it's weird. Yeah. Like, it's, it sounds like he's like a Boston asshole, and his Panther girlfriend calls him Soley. <laughs> I don't remember Chris Pratt in those movies. I think of Blue, and then I go, oh, no, wait, that's the dinosaur. <laughs> um... He seems done with this shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, Zoe Saldana. Mm-hmm. You want? I, I I made the joke already about uh, Adam Warlock, but you want to talk about a Sir not appearing in the movie? Yeah. <laughs> or Dame not appearing in the movie? <laughs> that is. Do you have anything to say about Gamora? Gamora. Not much. There's not a lot of her in this. She spends time with uh, the Ravagers, mm-hmm. where you have uh, uh, Stallone as Starhawk, and Michael Rosenbaum's Martin X, and of course you have... Uh, it, originally it was Miley Cyrus as the robot mainframe. Yeah. Now it's Tara Strong, and I realized... Oh, she's a robot, so she does keep a battery pack. Yeah. God. That was, again, that was a big swing, because, like, you got people on board with the Guardians of the Galaxy. People were like, oh, I, I like the raccoon. I, I like Drax, the, the silly bald man. Mm-hmm. Then it was like James Gunn was like, well, wait till I show you the original Guardians. <laughs> the, like, the fucking morons from the comic. <laughs> yeah. Where when I would go pick up, like, my Spidey and Usagi Ojimbo comics, I'd see Guardians of the Galaxy and go, who's this for? <laughs> who's liking the cubist Jimmy Olsen and the blue guy with the mohawk? Like, what is this? <laughs> By the way, there's a couple moments in this movie um, where I liked it and I did try and take it on its own terms. There's a couple five 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 come on now <laughs> sort of moments in the movie. When we were watching the, uh, oh yeah, their little space heist, and they go, there's an alarm, and it shows Sylvester Stallone in a spacesuit, <laughs> yeah. and it was like literally if the effect was just they had a prop spacesuit 
and they printed out Sylvester Stallone's face, like the Bruce Lee body doubles <laughs> yeah. in the completed version of Game of Death. Yeah. So it's just his, like, weird, disproportionate face floating inside of a bubble, glowering at them from space. And I just look over, and Priscilla is, like, doubled over in the seat, trying not to laugh out loud and ruin the movie. But just like, oh my fucking god, how can... How is this shot in a movie that cost a quarter of a billion dollars? Then a bunch of aliens appear. But, well, what actually happens is, you know how the big office building is shaped like a scab? Mm-hmm. He mistook it for a you know, big rack of pork and he just started boxing it. <laughs> the meat uh uh so anyways there and there's a couple moments like that one of the mini rocket flashbacks uh, or technically a flash forward he's about to die Mm -hmm. he's in the kind of harry potter white train station hallway yeah he's about to go forward and there's like a cybernetic otter played by linda cardellini but awesome actor she's doing a good job with just the voice performance Mm -hmm. so certainly not a knock on her um but they kind of have a moment where, like, they hug, and she goes, like, my little raccoon, it's not your time yet. And, like, I kind of want to be into it, because it's, it's not badly acted, and I do like Rocket as a character, and I'm sort of down. But also, I'm just going, like, it's an otter and a raccoon, Jesus Christ. It's, like, on Golden Pond, but with two skunks. Like, I... <laughs> Like, I'm willing to forgive a lot. I'm willing to go, like, just the hobbits really got to me. <laughs> it's it's like what I said about that scene in the extended cut of uh, Days of Future Past. Like, the, the kind of scene where Beast and Mystique are finding out, like, where are we in our relationship? What are we? And it's, it's like a well, it's a good, well-acted scene. But it's two cookie monsters talking about it. They're going to fuck her up. <laughs> hey, speaking I was about to jump in there and go, like, it's a well-acted scene with two good actors. And then I realized it's Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> Get, not to total cul-de-sac from this movie. Have you seen the ads for uh, No Hard Feelings? Is that the one where she's hired by Matthew Broderick yeah. to date the doofy kid? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that and is... It's such a wild trailer. It's the first, like, Red Band trailer I've, I've seen in forever. I didn't even know they did that anymore. Yeah. And so, yeah, famous murderer Matthew Broderick hires her to date his son. And there's a bit in the voiceover where it's like, ah, this kid's 19 and he's still a nerd. And, like, it's like... We are putting that in the trailer, okay? Yeah. Let's be really clear in what we are looking at. Is it Jennifer Lawrence hitting on a youthful 19-year-old? Yeah. <laughs> Let's be... I don't want Ron DeSantis closing down this trailer, okay? <laughs> uh, shutting this down faster than his own presidential ambitions. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to complain about it because... It's she looks like she's putting more effort into that than yeah. the actual movie that she's been in in ten years. Um, she seems to be having more fun with that. Yeah, and I, look, it's I I am not really a fan because I do feel like 
she act, she does nothing but mediocre films and then she acts like she's better than them. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is at the end of the day. I, I don't actually think she's a bad actress necessarily. But I know you're a big fan of like you know, Christopher Lee where you could cast him in like The Raccoons, The Adventure Begins. Yeah. And uh, as like a voice role and he would go, well, you have to play it like you were doing King Lear. Mm-hmm. And that's why you respect like like... Now, Malcolm McDowell is going to do, like, Firestarter 2, like he's trying to win an Oscar. Yeah. And I feel like Jennifer Lawrence does that, where it's like, I am not putting forth more effort than this X-Men movie deserves. And you're like, well, no, it's like X-Men Apocalypse. It doesn't deserve any effort. Mm -hmm. You're the one who chose to be in this. They paid, they dump truck full of money to your house. Could you at least pretend to be interested? My my fault for buying a ticket, but Jesus, at least everybody else is, you know, you know, yeah. you know Patrick Stewart isn't going like, oh, this is beneath me. Even not, it, well, it is and it isn't. Yeah. So, I get to pee myself in the last film, right? <laughs> I really appreciate how there's a, just a wonderful stable of actors who are old, seasoned British actors who have just no self-respect. Yeah. We yeah. need more of those actors. You know, li- legit, and I'm not going to say a whole lot of nice things about England <laughs> in this day and age, but uh, the two things that are true, they say like uh, journalism is much worse in England than it is in America, which mm-hmm. is true. Uh, that's because they never took it seriously. In England, they already know that like this, this is bullshit. This is yeah. just like a rag. We're just going to get drunk at noon. We're, we're just going to put new yeah. women in our... In they, our- newspaper they already know that that's like what their profession is whereas in america they're still doing the same quality of work but they're going like no no i'm edward r murrow mm-hmm. like i'm you, you know like edward what r murrow Woodward and bernstein do and i can't think of a fourth example because it's literally just those are the only reporters and yeah. journalists that never disgrace themselves and i'm not trying you know, i'm not doing like the maggot thing here but i'm just saying like you read, like, the papers of repute, the New York Times, the mm. Guardian. You're like, I think I'm actively stupider for reading these. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, terrific. It's this or worse. And so you can almost respect the sheer shitty Rupert Murdochism of garbage page three British tabloids more. Yeah. It's like, well, it, it, at least they're not, like, walking around going, like, it's a graphic novel. <laughs> no, they know what they are. Same thing with British actors. British actors know it's a job. Mm-hmm. British actors, especially older ones, know that acting is the thing that you have to do before you're allowed to go to the pub for the evening. Yeah. Whereas American actors are the ones where it's like, well, uh, yeah, I'm playing Abraham Lincoln, so I uh, rub pennies all over my body every morning. You <laughs> feel <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, like, I get, I get what you're saying when it's like, well, I, I shit on Anthony Hopkins earlier. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, Ben Kingsley doesn't respect his profession. Well, neither do I actually. Have you seen what actors actually do? Yeah. Like, I love movies and TV shows as much as the next person. I love watching actors. I do think that they need to be held in the same esteem as they were in Shakespeare's day. <laughs> Where he's like, oh, I'm sorry, mate. Your dog can come in, but actors <laughs> eat in the back. 
like the bear that survived the bear baiting contest gets to waddle inside. <laughs> but Edward Burbage has to drink in the gutter. Yeah. So anyways. Uh, okay, but the, the cul-de-sac to the cul-de-sac. So yeah, the new the Jennifer Lawrence Boner movie. <laughs> yeah. Um the movie where she sees a guy holding a wiener dog and goes, hey, nice wiener. Can I touch your wiener? <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I, again, I don't know who the movie's for. I'm not, like, rushing out to see it. Don't get me wrong. But I was just watching the trailer, and I'm like, didn't she get nominated for, like, six different Oscars? Yeah. This is, it's just so awesome that after, like, Having, like, you know, David O. Russell try and, like, do the yawn stretch boob grab <laughs> yeah. on her for a decade. She's finally like, I'm going to go make what I want. Weird boob comedies from the 80s. Like, a movie that looks like it was made. It's going to go directly to the PG version of itself on USA. <laughs> <Up Online. laughs> yeah. it's, it's Revenge of the Nerds for Nerds and Love. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. No, it's uh, it's the Revenge of the Nerds where you could get the scratch and sniff cards at the Seven Eleven. Yeah, the no, week before it premiered. No, part that four. Was okay. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah, just, although it was an interesting bit of storytelling to have Ogre go from jock to nerd type right. series. Yeah. Well, speaking of Nebula, it does the same thing. I'm <laughs> <laughs> actually getting jock to nerd seriously. But uh, heroes are nerds. Villains are cool. When we leave behind, uh, I forget if it was the third or fourth Revenge of the Nerds, the only thing I remember about the movie is that part of the third act is based around, like, a labor strike. Yeah. And I just, I wish that it had come out in this day and age, because, like, uh, one of the people I used to follow on Twitter would be like, laugh if you wanted the nerds, but this is the kind of solidarity. <laughs> <laughs> like, please take it seriously. Yeah. You know, uh, you, you're not going to find, like, a bigger Bernie crap than me unless it's Batista. <laughs> but even I'm like, uh, you know, he probably doesn't need to run a third time. Like, where, however we move forward from this, uh, getting mad at Nira Tandon is only going to get us so much traction with the electorate. <laughs> like, we need a game plan besides being... The group that libs make fun of. <laughs> uh, I say that with all the love in the world. Solidarity forever. But yeah, the, the people who are like, the new Joker movie tells us a lot about the, the nation's political compass. Yeah. Who amongst us hasn't dreamed of shooting David Letterman? <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to the movie. Um, yeah, Chris Pratt is not doing much. Uh... Yeah, so just default male actor number... He's the one, more than Rocket, he's the one who needs to just have, like, the numerical code. Like, P1309. Yeah. Uh, we joked about Nebula having the ogre arc. Mm-hmm. Honestly, one of the more interesting characters in this. Yeah. Uh, with Zoe Saldana, who, by the way, Zoe Saldana is, is awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's super funny that she is now... What was it? She's in three of the four highest grossing movies ever. Yeah. Yeah. She's got the goods. Zoe's cool. Neytiri is an awesome character for her to play. She is so clearly ready to just be... Because it's going to be the decade of Avatar. Yeah. This is very much like... 
you know, I'm visit I'm home visiting my podunk ass town for the weekend, but then I'm going back to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's barely in here. I again, I would guess that in the original version, it was just meant to be Gamora, but then all the shit with Infinity War. Where she comes from, which, by the way, wasn't the whole thing about the cliff that they're like no backseas, like no time travel, no wishes. If I throw you off the cliff, you stay dead forever in all universes throughout time and perpetuity. Yeah. And then for some reason, not with Gamora. Like, I don't care. It's just the classic, like, Superman picking up the Kryptonite Island. I'm not, you're not breaking my rule. You're breaking your rule. Yeah. Uh... Like, why didn't you do that with uh, Black Widow? If it, well, we know why, but... <laughs> yeah. And so she's she's in the movie. I'm not going to complain, because I, I like, uh, like her as an actress, but she doesn't get a ton to do. And there's a bit of back and forth with uh, Chris Pratt. And I got to say, like, I'm kind of, like, handing off between riffing on the movie and actually enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I liked how they handled Gamora and Star-Lord. I did too. I and really did. It's clear, it's like an extremely low bar. If they'd gone the other direction with this, it would have launched a thousand unbearable think pieces. Mm-hmm. But the fact that like he's... Like how he's gaslighting her yeah. into a relationship or something. He, like he's he's just like, like, we were so good together. And like, you love me. And like the kind of like, look, I know you're different, but if... If she fell in love with me, then that means you could fall in love with me. So will you at least give me the time of day? Yeah. And I like that, like, she, you know, they're not like enemies by the end of it. But she's taking the totally deserved stance of, I don't fucking know you. Yeah. I've never met you, and you are really annoying. <laughs> like, and I love it, it. They do not come around by the end of the movie. Like, they... They end a little friendlier than they begin. Yeah. They have the kind of moment where they're like, okay, like, that's not us, but it does sound like what you had with the other me was rather sweet. Yeah. So well, what's the line? We must have been amazing. Yeah. We were. Yeah. And it's, it's like a nice place to end it. I really like how they don't just default to like, well, uh, of course, Gamora will give Star-Lord the sex, which is owed. Yeah. <laughs> It's a really good way to deflate it, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. this... God forgive But you know every terrible Jezebel article, like, give me the strength of a mediocre white man. Yeah. Star-Lord is the mediocre white man. Mm-hmm. By the way, you know who's not a fan of Infinity War? Who? <laughs> James Gunn, apparently. Really? Like, he, I think he knows to play nice enough. To, you know, he got hired back. and mm-hmm. Doesn't want to burn bridges. But it was, they, they've been, like, doing interviews lately, and I saw one quote where he was like, that's uh, that's not how I would have written it. And the thing where, like, Star-Lord kills the universe, and it's yeah. all his fault, because yeah. he's an idiot. He's like, that's, uh, I, my, my Star-Lord wouldn't have done that. <laughs> and it's so clearly just, like, a, if I could just mulligan, like, the three movies with these characters that I didn't make, yeah, then, uh... He seems happy to pave over that. Gamora, sadly, is the thing like you have to address. Yeah. But I, I think it's well handled. I like that Star-Lord ends the movie alone in that regard. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of, more than just like them being like, okay, we're not lovers, but I see why we could have been friends, blah, blah, blah. 
Mm-hmm. I like the moment at the end. Spoiler, everybody gets away. Everyone's rescued. And they do like a massive group hug. Yeah. And it shows Gamora looking at it. And she's kind of like, these idiots. Like, kind of looking over at them. And you're waiting for the moment where she's like, ah, hell. And like, she's on the outside of the ball, the grand falloon. But she gives him a hug too. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't. She just kind of looks at him, like, not without fondness, and then walks off uh, off the screen. Yeah. And she hugs her real friends, yeah, her the real Ravagers. I'm <laughs> like, oh, like, that That was, like, kind of a cool thing to do. And you realize there is a certain redundancy of characters. Like, we talked about how Groot never had an arc because he can't talk. Yeah. Right? Um, when you compare uh, Gamora with Nebula... Nebula actually gets to do shit. Yeah. Nebula, more than any other character in the series between, like, the first movie and the third one, has an arc. It goes from villain to, like, honestly, not just good guy, but, like, one of the more noble characters. Mm -hmm. One of the beats that actually kind of worked for me is when, like, they're on, like, the comm link because the groups are in different locations. And they assume Rocket's dead, and they go, and he's like, is that you? Like, Nebula, is that you? And she hears his voice, and, like, she just starts crying. And, like, it actually works, because, A, Karen Gillan's a pretty good actress. Yeah. And, B, it's the the only good thing to come out of Endgame. So, like, oh, they're, they're friends. Yeah. They had, like, five years to hang out and be miserable together while all these other schmucks were taking the powder. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, like, well-integrated in the same way that, like, the group thing isn't. Yeah. Uh, But you do arrive at a point where the movie even kind of leans into it of like, we don't really need Nebula and Gamora. (laughs) Like, it's not even like, oh, well, they're they're the token girl. Because we have two others now, at least. The dog and the bug. Mm -hmm. Like, he realized, oh, Nebula and Gamora are like basically the same character, especially now that we did the reset on Gamora. And Nebula's honestly more interesting narratively. Yeah. And even physically, I like her, like, scarecrow thing where she can't die. Yeah. You can just, like, break her and she comes back. Um, but, yeah, by and large, pretty much everybody said, like, like uh, it was good to, to have one last ride with the gang. Would you come back for another? No, thank you. But uh, mm. this is very nice. And so, besides that, I mean, we'll try and bring this in under two hours, I guess. Is there any any just odds and ends you want to mention about it? Um, not much. I I liked uh, just some of the stuff thrown in. Uh, the woman who played uh, Ratcatcher 2, Danielle Melchior. Uh-huh. Uh, she's on this. Uh, the proudest of the Aenir? Jesus. <laughs> and she... I think I did that the last time you brought her up. Too. Yeah. She plays, uh, Ura, the red gal with the... Oh, okay, I wonder... She seemed like she had a big enough role where I thought, this is probably somebody. Yeah. yeah. And one, one thing that I did like is... You know, they're, they're, in the Guardians movies, there's always been... Uh, musical references, of course. Like, the original ship is called the Benatar. I didn't know that. So I like how 
one of the henchmen, voiced by Judy Greer. Yeah. One of the henchmen is a cybernetic pig named Warpig. I, I like and that. And I, I thought that's close. I like that. Okay. And see, and that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about where it's like, have a cybernetic bebop pig monster, mm-hmm. have it voiced by Judy Greer, and give it that name. Yeah. Like, when, the mo- when it's that movie, that's the movie I like. <laughs> It's not always that movie, but when it remembers to be that, I'm like, okay, now we're cooking. All of the high evolutionaries' little freaks are pretty cool. Yeah, honestly, um, and and sadly, you don't get to see much of them later. Uh, there's one that's like a gorilla squid thing that looks like it's going to be like the last mini-boss, and I, I think they just kind of fight it in the hallway or something. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bunch of swarming ones which attack nowhere that are just... They're like the squids from Matrix Revolutions. They're just there to like fly in and get taken out with missiles. Yeah. The ones you actually see though, Warpig is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if he has, if his name's like Hawkwind or something. <laughs> the, but the bird one, where he just has like a like a PA system for her throat and like the red, you know, the meme lord eyes. <laughs> it was like actually a cool design and they give him like a, like a radio announcer voice, like you're not allowed any further. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of weird. Like a fucking griffin that sounds like a movie trailer guy. Yeah. As a henchman, that, that's kind of cool. Um, I even like the high evolutionary. I like where they did the uh, the flesh pinned to the head, mm-hmm. which oh, not the first time I've seen that, but I've always I've always been a fan of that. Like the Reavers or Robocop or wherever, where it's like a mask on top of a, a Predator skeleton. It's just one of those things that looks cool to me. It kind of reminded me of uh, Poppy from Reboot uh, Copper. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wearing the face. And then when you see him at the end, when they peel the face off, and he just has like the full Mason Verger, because mm-hmm. Rocket just d- d- destroyed him. Yeah. Oh, that, that leads, same thing. Like maybe I was busy, like blanking or sneezing or something but mm-hmm. the high evolutionary dies when the his ship blows up right yeah okay like he's basically lying there dying without a face okay because like, there's there's a weird moment where they're gathered around they see him without his face and they're like killing rocket and he goes no that's not my way for i am a guardian of the galaxy and it, it's it's like not doesn't ruin the movie or anything but when rocket's like no I'm not going to sink to his level. You're They're all murderers. Really. Yeah. Not, I'm not making any moral point here, but like, there are characters that do the whole, the Vash the Stampede, like, nobody dies. Like, like Spidey doing that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to kill you. Like, that's not who I am. That's, none of these characters, Groot just like impales people in yeah. a special move. There's literally a line in the second one, right, when, it's like Gamora and uh, Quill are talking about ego, and they're like, we don't, don't really know what to make of this guy, don't know if we can trust him. And Gamora says, well, we go along with him, and if he stabs us in the back, we can always just kill him. And it's, it's like a little line, not even like a joke line, but you go, yeah, yeah that's, that's where this person is. Like, why would this mercenary warrior woman raised in battle be squeamish about that? Mm-hmm. Rocket certainly never seemed to mind like <laughs> yeah. dismembering and killing people. So when they're faced with like the devil, he's <laughs> like, no, 
He suffered enough. <laughs> he deals with the racial ghoul ending. I'm not gonna kill you, but I don't have to save you, neither. No, I'll probably just kills you. <laughs> Even though not saving you, I was just killing you. Yeah. That that did not. It, it's one of those like story beats that doesn't make any sense. Like just not saying anything would have been better. Just them looking at each other and him flying out like the. Yeah, it it's just. I think people throw in those things where it's like, you've seen this in a movie, so don't worry that this isn't that movie. Somebody said that once, with, not to get super nerdy, but you remember when Green Goblin came back in the comics? Mm-hmm. That was like that terrible idea that ended that terrible crossover. And so it's like the Green Goblin finally comes back, he fights Spidey, and Spidey goes like, it's time to end this the way it was always meant to be, not Spider-Man and the Green Goblin. But Peter Parker versus Norman Osborn. And it's meant to be this big moment that people pointed out, like, they, they're they not anything. Yeah, you're... Yeah. He's your friend's dad, that's yeah. it. It was just meant to be, like, a weird coincidence. It was... Even the movies lean into it more than, like, he could have been a bit of a father figure, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Like, a character that's, you know, desperately in need of one. But they threw that in there and somebody said, like, I think they got this confused with an X-Men comic where, like, famously, Magneto and Professor X are friends. Yeah. The whole bit is that, like, Norman and Peter don't have anything to do with each other. There's just this weird bit of connective tissue. Yeah. That's literally Steve Ditko's thing was, like, what if it was just your friend's dad? What if it was the guy that was at your boss's country club? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, weird metaphor perhaps but I just that popped into my head and I was like I mean, when did when did, when did like you know uh, Rocket believe in the wheel of karma all of a sudden <laughs> uh, so yeah it is when it remembers to be a prog inspired skittle colored you know star chart poster of a movie mm-hmm. I'm kind of into it when it turns more into just, like... Here's the thing. Uh, I'm down for the third Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I'm not down for the 36th Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe movie. <laughs> and I think we already kind of said our, our points about that, but it's not just me. I, I've always been like, I don't even like nerds. Yeah. My favorite movie, this isn't cinema. Yeah. Even so, don't take my word for it. But even normal people, even people who like these, are going. Eh, I didn't like the Eternals as much. Like these, these last couple are diminishing returns for me. Same thing with the TV shows, the Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. I had somebody tell me the other day. They go, uh, "Oh, I didn't like most of them, but uh, Moon Knight though was good. Moon Knight's the best one." And I, I'm not, like, making fun of them. Everybody, like, everybody has their favorite. Everybody's entitled mm-hmm. to their opinion. Have you noticed that that applies to every Disney Plus Marvel show, though? Yeah. Like, for basis of comparison, the, the Netflix ones, mm-hmm. people pretty much have a set opinion on those. Like, yeah. I've, I've never seen anybody say that, like, <clears throat> Iron Fist was better than Jessica Jones. Right. It's pretty broadly, like, Jessica, Daredevil, probably favorite, Punisher, uh, Nick Cage in the middle, 
What, who am I thinking of? Um, Nick. Luke Cage. Luke Cage. Cage. Yeah. And then Iron Fist, like a distant crow, right? Yeah. The Disney Plus shows are a riot because I literally every single one I've heard somebody go, oh no, they mostly suck, except WandaVision's good. Yeah. You can skip the others, but watch. And then like fill in the blank. I have heard somebody say that about She-Hulk. I've heard somebody say that about Loki. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's like, everybody is like the girl who's like, I'm not like other girls. I'm not into girly stuff. I have more guy friends than girlfriends. Like, oh, wow, you're so unique. Nobody... <laughs> so if, that's certainly not how every woman thinks of themselves. <laughs> if you can believe it, my favorite movie is Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. I'm, but I'm not trying to sound misogynist yeah. there. There's, there was even, like, the Hark of Vagrant comic on that. Mm-hmm. Where the woman's like, I'm, like, whatever to this girly stuff. And the guy friend's like, you alone walk this path. <laughs> that Just drawing that as the same thing. And, like, yeah, this, this is the good one. Not like the others, which suck, which maybe brings me full circle to my point of, like, I cannot tell the difference between a good Marvel movie <laughs> and a bad Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I maybe have, like, a closing thought on this, but I've been doing plenty of talking as usual. Uh, anything, any thoughts you have, like, put a bow on it? Um, not much. I just, I do like how it ends, how... Mm-hmm. Uh, characters kind of, the, the group basically disbands and they realize like, oh, Drax has to protect the kids, Mantis has to kind of be your own person, uh, Quill has to get back to Earth, all this different stuff, and it, it kind of echoes real life of like, you don't stay in the same click of people for your entire life. Yeah. It is like, oh, this is fun, but like, yeah, it's kind of ended. To compare it to a similar, but unimaginably better franchise, like Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. Where it's like, this is not, these are not lifelong friends. These are people who knew each other for two years. Yeah. And we got some interesting stories out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you usually don't marry your high school crush, like that kind of yeah. philosophy. Yeah. And, yeah, the team disbanding at the end is... Again, it's, you remember, like, Kirk Van Houten getting another shout-out. Yeah. I'll win you back, maybe. And that's how the episode ends. Yeah. This has that vibe of, like, hey, gang, like, maybe someday we'll see each other again. But probably not. But we might. Like, yeah. We'll it, it, oddly enough, it is like a band. Yeah. It's, like, let's do our own thing. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll do something. Yeah. Then they find a pretty organic reason for, like, okay, there makes sense why Quill would do his thing and Madness mm-hmm. would do her thing. And then the people who don't have a side quest, where it's like, you know, Drax probably is better off just kind of being, like, the, you know, the, the local strongman. Like an old Greek village where, like, the strongest yeah. guy in the town is the local hero. Yeah. Yeah, let him be that. Let Rocket be the leader, since he's uh, by far the smartest one. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so keep them around. Keep Nebula around. But then it's like, yeah, Gamora has her own shit. Quill literally has a family that he's been neglecting. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like there's a. It, it it's handled fairly well and has a finality to it. Usually when they're like. The, the end of the trilogy, 
nothing happens. It, it's, it just stops. Yeah. And they change their mind and make a fourth one. Mm-hmm. This actually organically feels like, well, that's it for now. We're hinted at a second iteration of the team, which uh, doesn't look as good and no one actually wants to see. But just conceptually, it's nice to know that the torch has yeah. passed. And I love how they're all music dorks. Yeah. That's <laughs> a nice touch, which again, feels cheesy, but at least somewhat earned in this particular franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's handled well enough. Again, as far as them being a team, that goes back to why I think I first liked these, because it's it was off in its own little corner. You're right. Everything else was just, okay, sooner or later, when is Nick Fury going to rope them in? Mm-hmm. Which side are they going to be on when you know, Team Tony or Team Baloney or whatever? Uh, it could... It, it's sort of, you know, in the same aesthetic. Uh, I can't, like, boldly assert that it's its own totally separate thing. It is certainly the most discreet of all the franchises, though. Yeah. The one where, like me, you could conceivably be a fan of just this and not worry too much about the rest of it. Right. Um, so I think that very much works to its benefit. And I was never clear on what they're guarding, by the way. The galaxy. Okay, but I, the name just, doesn't Ronan just say that as a joke? Yeah, look at you, the guardians of the galaxy. And they they just kind of like, hey, that's, we're going to go with the super friends, but we'll do this Mm -hmm. instead. Like, I I get why they arrive at the name, because that's what they're called in the comic. It is sort of funny how after three movies, it's not clear what they actually are. It's like, whatever else you want to say about the Avengers, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's like a government initiative. Like a team of government employees. And then eventually, I guess, there's like a splitting narrative where some of them go rogue. Yeah. And then it just becomes a catch-all, but at that point you get it. Three and a half movies or six movies or however you want to count it into this franchise I'm like dude they run a protection racket well are they scavengers is this like a firefly they don't seem to ever like hunt bounties it seems to be their mercenaries who then become kind of slumlords and they yeah yeah but it, it's every story is just they have like, a bonded sense of self-importance. Yeah, that's why they call themselves Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like we well we we like did this mission to afford more dilithium crystals because the ship stalled. It, it, it's not even like the very broad bebop mandate. Like yeah. we're, we're bounty hunters, mm-hmm. just a catch-all that lets you tell any story. With them, it's just like I needed to do an odd job to afford to put gas in my ship to get to a restaurant. Yeah, you're like like you go like they're mercenaries like. I don't think they're actually, like, put together enough to even be considered, like, a paramilitary outfit or something. <laughs> and same thing, they put up the bar where, like, it's in the same font in Alien. Guardians of the Galaxy is the name of the pub. Yeah. But even then, it's like, well, it's like calling it Cheers. Like, what does that actually mean? Is that your primary source of income? Is Drax, like, cleaning out the mugs? Or... <laughs> it's cool, but what is that supposed to be? Just a place for people to drink. Yeah. Uh, I get okay. I know what the literal definition of a bar is. <laughs> God damn it. Um. So yeah, ultimately, I liked it. Uh, it's part of. I've just had a pretty good run lately, except for that 
we're not going to get into it, but that Mario movie is just... Mm -hmm. I can't get mad at it because it's for eight-year-olds. And if I bought a ticket, then I deserve whatever I get. Yeah. It is as close to just staring at an empty screen as I think I've ever come. (laughs) It's as close to... Like, it's the closest cinematic experience I've ever had to being asleep. Except I didn't feel rested when it was done. (laughs) Um, Putting that aside, it's been a decent run. I had John Wick, which is like an actual good, amazing movie. Mm -hmm. And then there's been this run of like Dungeons and Dragons, Evil Dead, and then this. Kind of one from each genre. Yeah. Where I'm like, that was fun. What a a nice night at the movies. Mm -hmm. I get it. Five popcorns. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not... Appearances aside, I'm not up my own ass about this stuff. I'm like, do I regret watching it? No, but it was a perfectly cromulent way to spend the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as treating this as the end to a franchise that took a decade to finish, <laughs> I think that does it a disservice. Like, this is the longest gap ever yeah. between one of these movies. There's the whole fiasco about uh, Gun getting fired and coming back. Mm-hmm. Which we don't need to rehash. Everybody knows that yeah. at this point. I feel like if this movie had come out, I, I don't know the battle plan. I, you know, I haven't like read up on this. I get the impression this was supposed to be one of the first post-Endgame movies. Probably. Like, without the pandemic happening, without Gunn getting fired, you get the feeling that this was meant to follow pretty briskly after Infinity War and Endgame, where it's like three-year gap since the first movie. Three-year gap for the second should have come out around 2020. Mm-hmm. The fact that it took twice as long it gives it like an additional build-up that is not especially warranted by the film, or it's just like, oh yeah, more of that. If I'd seen it three years earlier, maybe I'd be a little less tired of some of this. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I say I have like kind of an overriding thought on it. I, I guess that's it. I did enjoy the movie. I have a fondness for these characters. It's maybe the only one of these where I can just divorce it from a general, like, I'm sick of superhero shit. I'm sick of comic shit. Mm -hmm. This isn't even really a superhero thing if I'm being pissy about it. Uh, But something struck me while I was watching it. Uh, We went, we didn't see it at like, you know, like a Saturday night screening, I'm sure, did some business. We did catch it on a Friday afternoon, though. Not a packed theater. Yeah. I, yeah, I suspect, you know, maybe some other people, some other screenings sold better. It's like, man, opening day? We we saw, like, the second one opening day during the day, and there were more people there. Yeah. Uh, It was not as packed as I thought it would be for one of these sort of movies. And then whenever you do the jokes, of which there are a lot... I, the audience was not in stitches. Yeah. I did not have, like, a loud guy where I'm like, dude, I'm glad you're enjoying it, but, like, I want to be able to hear the next joke. Mm-hmm. It was, people were just reacting like me, where, like, every, once every ten minutes, I'd go, <laughs> Yeah, like, the, the yeah. thing when they're on counter-earth to pull, pull the knob up and then open the, open the fucking car door. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, it really, and it runs the gamut between, like, what works and what doesn't. So, when they sneak into the scab building, they wear the color-coded suits, and they have the PA system. It's like a Simon. Mm-hmm. And they have this 
I like I won't even replicate it, but the point is like no, you push like the blue com to talk to the purple suit, and the purple button lets you talk to the orange suit. And like this Python ass, <laughs> yeah. like long ass thing. It's like, how am I supposed to remember that? I thought it was pretty intuitive. And I'm like, that's that's good. It's like the we talked about like the, the graveyard thing in D D. Yeah. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. That is a perfectly funny joke. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go, uh, I believe I've seen this bit before. I'm like, yeah, I've seen it before and I laughed at it then too. There is some good ass jokes in here. There's some perfectly funny lines. Then there's also stuff like, uh, one thing I have seen before and don't need again, an overly long elevator ride where the characters kind of have to awkwardly make conversation. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, this wasn't like the Ninja Turtles Michael Bay movie. Yeah. Like, like, are we still doing this? And there's a bit where Chris Pratt runs through like, well, that's not actually my girlfriend. She's the Infinity Stone-inspired clone of my girlfriend from an alternate timeline. And like, he does the bit, and the joke is that it's supposed to be so Byzantine. Mm-hmm. And you, you can attest to this. I actually just leaned over and put my head on your shoulder and just like chilled until it was over. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to laugh. I'm not going to react. I'll be here when you're done, movie. But like, you're not giving anything out of me with this. And he, even there, they hang a lampshade on the whole pistol whipping Thanos when you get too angry. Yeah, yeah. So, like I say, the jokes run the gamut, but most of them are just sort of there, and I realized I don't even notice when they're jokes anymore. And, and like, case in point, there's a scene where, not when they fight, but when, like, Quill's mad, and he goes, like, we're going to track down the high evolutionary and kick his stupid RoboCop Skeletor ripoff face, or something Mm -hmm. like that. And I realized if that line had been in a movie in, like, 2008, yeah, I'd probably laugh if somebody went, like, look at you, you RoboCop knockoff, you dime store Skeletor. Mm-hmm. I go, like, oh, oh, shit, I wasn't expecting them to reference Skeletor. Now, that's all I expect. Mm-hmm. It That's not even a joke anymore. That's just how characters talk. Yeah. And that was what it was like watching this, like, the stuff that in the first movie made me kind of sit up a little bit and go like, oh, hey, like, he's, like, playing, like, 70s jams while he, like, struts through a temple and, like, steals a thing. And you're like, oh, yeah, what a way to start a movie. Like, that's very mm-hmm. toe-tapping. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that's that's how movies start. Mm-hmm. It's like throwing in, like, a chase scene in a movie. I'm like, yeah, every, mov- movies have those. It's not that big a deal. Every character makes a sick remix. Yeah, every character, like, a scene where... 70s gold plays oh and like the Ramones play while they like walk slowly towards a door mm-hmm. and it, it, I'm not like mad about it it doesn't make me like the movie less but it just doesn't register where I'm like yeah it's a movie that's what characters do in movies they walk slowly while like yeah. something from your dad's uh, record collection plays in the background that's that's what they also have like refracted light and pre-recorded sound that you can hear during the movie. Yeah. That's what a movie is. Mm-hmm. And that's what struck me. Everything that was novel and weird and like, oh shit, I guess we're doing this first movie, which I said it at the time and I stand by it, was just fun Star Wars. 
mm-hmm. the only fun Star Wars that you've seen in 30 years. Yeah. And then this comes along where it's just doing all the exact same things, and it's not that it's doing them bad. It's not that it pisses me off or that I'm like, this is why movies suck these days. It's that it doesn't even register anymore because it, it's like, oh, it's like having like a fat neighbor in a sitcom or something. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's what that's for. That's what that genre does. So that's my takeaway. It is a victim of its own success. What was once fascinating is set now so commonplace that it, I don't even notice that I'm watching the tree hang out with the raccoon. Like, well, yeah, it's, the movies don't have human characters anymore. That's not weird. <laughs> so that's, that's my two cents about it. And enjoyable, but very much in that spirit of like the farewell tour of the band that you have outgrown. But if they're playing, you're like, okay, I'll go see them one last time. If yeah. They're in my neighborhood. Well, that you've outgrown, but didn't really leave behind. Like, yeah. Fair. I'll listen to their new album. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, I'll listen to their new album, but uh, I can go ahead and retire. <laughs> and that's, that's my thoughts on it. Yeah. So, there you go. If you want a <laughs> pretty fun movie, go see Guardians of the Galaxy 3. <laughs> I lo- it took us, me, or I won't say us, it took me two hours and one minute to say, eh, three stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was it was fun while it lasted. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that wraps everything up, folks. See you next time. <laughs>